Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Welcome back to the Culture Classroom. We're still here at the beach. Uh, I don't think we'll ever leave. I don't know about you, but I'm only four and a half, five hours away. I don't want to go back. This is my third time at the beach this summer. Uh, I might try to sneak one in before the, we start training camp. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go back. Well, we are not coming back, Tory family. Like, 19 hours in the car. Like, I mean, one way. we got to make that 19 hours again here in a few days. And it's just like... I don't know. Like, uh, there were a couple of times you called me today as we're coordinating, you know, where, where are you at? What's your position? How far are you? And you're like, times there is chaos in the car, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, we might not have all three of our kids when we, uh, we pull up to the Airbnb. And then there were other times you called and you'd be like, hey, it's really quiet. What's going on? I'm like, everyone's sleeping. It's great. Like, just like me in the road and just... So uh, I thought you were going to say, I threw everybody out. It's just uh, me coming out. You know, there are times, right? But uh, avoid responsibility. I'm not doing that. Like, I'm going to uh, have my commitment to my kids, and I would never do that. Although I have talked about putting one of those, like, little chauffeur windows in my car. So, like, as a limo, the, you don't want to talk yeah. to the driver. You just roll that sucker up. That's what I want to do with my kids in the back. Like, put on their movie, and then just roll up that chauffeur window. So... We are not coming back to the beach anytime soon, but we love it. My wife and I love it, and it's just a treat for us, and our kids have never experienced it. So, again, the next few days are going to be really special for them. That's at least what we're hoping. Yeah, well, uh, it's a common occurrence with the Weavers, obviously, uh, living this close and trying to eventually find a job down here. You know, who knows? Whatever world in God has in store. I'll take it. Surf's up, right? Surf's like up. Just, Surf's up. We're catch, catch, catch catching the next meaning. wave. It means a whole new meaning of the podcast that we did on Surf's Up and just a different perspective on it of like, yeah, Surf's Up, Calabunga. Uh, I like the beach, but also uh, live each day to its fullest. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things. I think you got something that's going to segue into that as living each, each day to its fullest. Uh, yeah, I... Um, I don't know, I was hit by this a few, a couple months ago when I was putting together a big presentation for 200 people that I was uh, blessed enough to ask, to be asked to give, right? And I try to tailor every presentation. I take, you know, pieces from uh, different things that I'm doing currently because I want it to be current. Uh, I want it to be something I'm working on in the moment. And then also the tried and true stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The the things like high truth, high love that have really impacted me and and stayed with it. And of course that's yours and... uh, and your trademark and, and the caring trademark and all those things. And, and in my presentation, I want what I'm creating, the new stuff, to be paired with the old stuff and a little bit of the good stuff and just all woven together so that it just kind of flows. And I was hit by this idea. And so I asked during this presentation that I gave back in April, I, I gave everyone an index card and a envelope. And I, I'm, I'm going to ask you the same thing, okay? So I gave you one, too, and uh, I just want you to do it right now. But I asked this group of 200 people, I go, what would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail? And then I had them write whatever they wanted on the index card and seal it in the envelope. And I had done this before I gave my speech so that I had mine 
signed and sealed as well. So Coach Weaver, I'm just going to throw that out to you right now. If you could do anything in the world and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Well, this was pretty simple. Uh, I share the same love of football with you. And then, you know, the acronym that you always mess around with is NFL is not for long. And for me, I tried it and failed in 2005 with the Falcons. But I would go and be a punter in the NFL. As crazy as that sounds when everything is – but there's just something about – I've been doing it since my sophomore year in high school. Uh, a lot of people try to take this position I did, beat them out. In college, beat them out. They had guys come in, I beat them out. I go to the Falcons in 05, I do great. I think not so great. You know, they have so many guys, and it's so hard to get in yeah. in the NFL. It's so hard. Everyone's looking for something different, too. Like, just knowing special teams coaches in the, in the league, it's like some guys value hang time. Some guys value kick coverage. Some guys value size and speed, even though you're a punter. Right. And any kind of hang time or any kind of, like, good contact from the ball is going to offset that size and speed. And what got me was directional punting. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so everyone's looking for something different. So the Falcons must not, you know, have valued that. Or maybe, who knows? Like, that's the other thing about player evaluation is that you never quite know what someone else is looking for and what yeah. that magic thing is going to be. Yeah, because I was booming them and all that stuff, but they were just like, thanks for coming. And I was like, oh, I, I get it. So a lot of time the kids are like, I didn't know you tried. I was like, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, well, how'd you do? I was like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm coaching you. That's how it went. So a lot of times uh, that is like if I knew I couldn't fail and knew what people would won't and all that stuff, I would go be a punter and make $385,000, $400,000 a year to go kick a football. League minimum, right? That's all I need. That's all I need to go and punt a football. Look, I'll save my joints. I'll save my back. I won't get hit. Uh, typically, they're the holder, so probably be a part of some pretty cool experiences of game-winning kicks. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that sounds corny, and our listeners are probably like, you could do anything in the world, and this guy's going to pick a punter in the NFL? Never mind, punting might not be around 20 more years. Yeah, they you might know. ban it. Like, right. XFL might take over and, like, hey, fourth and 15, you get two chances. So, who knows? But and in today's world, uh, I'm going to say a punter in the NFL because that's, that's one of those cool things. It's a dream I had. It's a goal that I was pursuing. And if you're going to offer that, if I could do anything – uh, I would go back and relive that dream and know I'd never fail and be on some team somewhere. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time-saving features to eliminate the busy work so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, and plays for you to begin building your playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw. I, I think that's really interesting because people ask me all the time, if I could have any job in sports, what would it be? And mine's easy. I would be a major league relief pitcher. Like, I'm a lefty. I don't throw hot sauce anyway, but I've got great movement on my pitches. I could come in with ducks on the pond that aren't my responsibility. It's not going to affect my ERA. Get a couple outs. Bring in the closer to do their next job. I feel like I could do that, right? Like, if... And, like, same thing, middle reliever is going to have 15, 20 years. You can hang around a ball club, like, 
depending on what people are doing or what they're looking for. Same thing with punting. Like, you know, if you can avoid injury and if you can uh, have a skill of just kicking and punting and throwing. And some of the most fun I've seen at NFL and college practices are from the kickers because they don't really have responsibilities. It's more like do your thing on Sunday, and if it doesn't suck, we're going to keep you around another week. Right. So, uh, you know, and our big thing at the 49ers was don't get noticed. So, like, mm-hmm. as support staff, you know, I'd be sitting there and I'd be coaching or I'd be on the sidelines, and you're only wrong if you get noticed. Same thing with punting, I feel like. Like, as long as ESPN isn't putting you in their top, not top ten, I think you're okay, right? Like, that's a pretty good job. Don't get noticed. So I think that's a great dream and goal. Yeah, so, I mean, not getting noticed when I was at Heinz playing, and uh, they'd always send the kickers to the top field, and the other, we'd be on the bottom field. And a lot of times we'd take our shoulder pads off trying not to get noticed because there was a difference in probably 200 yards, but yet there was a steep incline. So you really had to go and get on the hill if you want to see who was, um, if we were doing anything right or wrong on the game field. Well, one day, uh, Coach Murphy, who's our head coach, walks up the stairs and kind of like, like gazes at us and just yells out, are y'all eating ham sandwiches and drinking lemonade? Or are y'all getting better? <laughs> To this day, uh, I still make our kickers at practice like, hey, I'm giving you a kicking chart. I want you to chart your kicks. I'm going to give them some responsibility so I know that they did their job. Because uh, back in 2000, 2001, uh, there was some freelance punting going on and a lot of games being played of golf and that with the football. But some of the most fun that I've had is uh, is kicking and punting and I've held for three game-winning kicks and stuff like that. I just uh, – I don't want to say it's low stress, but it is. You're punting. Uh, the offense doesn't do great, but you get to go save the day for the defense. But I think it's just a – I mean, I could go be a CEO of uh, wherever, but I don't want that responsibility at 42. I want to go punt a football. And then I come home and my kids get to hang out at the game and know that I – I mean – it's, it's very finesse, right? Like, yeah. it's just very, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do what I do. Uh, I'm not going to get real sweaty, and then, you know, I, I'm going to yep. do this for a long period of time. It's funny because I just uh, made my notes in a, in a special teams book that I read this spring that has changed the way I've thought about and I'm going to coach special teams in the future. And uh, it's called Figure It Out by Mike Westhoff. And he was the special teams coach for the, for the Jets uh, for a number of years. And uh, he talked about how he would always tell the snapper, the long snapper, I don't want two snaps to look exactly the same. Now, keep in mind, this is the NFL, right? They want everything to be exactly the same. They want to do it on Monday like they're going to do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and eventually on Sunday. He would tell his long snappers, I want my punter to get a different look all the time. Like, I want them to face every kind of adversity, every kind of situation. They would close practice with a punt or a competitive kick, like a long field goal, for example, and the coaching staff would be behind the kicker and the holder dumping water on them, shouting everything, obscenities and whatever else, trying to throw them off. And it was a great high-energy way to kind of close practice as well as prepare for pressure situations. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of value in that. And, uh, yeah, figure it out, right? Like the snap's not going to be perfect. You're going to be under duress. There's going to be heavy blitz. But your job as a punter is to, if you're a directional punter, get it in the direction that you want and get it safely and then go down and cover it and flip the field and all that other stuff. Yeah. 
some things I, I did really well with that. Other times I didn't. I mean, uh, going in my senior year, finishing out, this is what kind of got me on the radar with some teams. As I was averaging right around 43.9, 44 yards a punt, doing great. Uh, Mid-season, I got up to like 46, 47. So I was doing really well. That's then we great. had to play Southern Arkansas. And uh, here's the kicking moment. So our kicker. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker for the our team. We're couldn't help myself. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. How about that? Pun <laughs> intended. So we're we're playing Southern Arkansas. Jordan Babineau, who ends up having a great career with the Seahawks, uh, is the returner. And we were told specifically, do not kick to him. Do not. Kind of how that thing, like, understand the assignment, right? If, if someone else takes it to the house, we'll live with it, but right. it's not going to be him. Right. So I understood the assignment. So my goal was to not kick to it. So rewind. What got me cut from the Falcons? Directional punting. Fast forward to Jordan Babineau. There's a stiff delta wind blowing, uh, and both times that I punted to this cat, they were, it was in my face. So the first punt was 27 yards. Ooh, not NFL caliber. Not I'm, NFL caliber. I'm sorry. Not even no. if you kick him from the plus side of the field. No. The second one was eight and a half. Oh, oh. It was eight and a half. The wind, I directional too far. The wind takes it and puts it pretty much in the bleachers. Oh. Terrible. Terrible. Understood the assignment, though. Don't get noticed. They didn't score on either one of those drives. So we go and score. I'm throwing our kicker under the bus, and I'm sorry, Trey Crum. <laughs> I'm sorry. He had a great, great time. Finkel and, and Einhorn here, yeah, I feel yeah. like. Like, Ray Finkel here is, yeah. like, going to go into hiding and all hey, kinds of stuff now. <laughs> we're at the beach, right? Go <laughs> Dolphins. So we're sitting here. And all I know is we're not supposed to kick that dude. So I, I do my job. Responsibility. Go back to the last podcast. Responsibility, right? Walk by responsibility. Uh, the responsibility I have was not to kick to that dude. So Trey gets up, and he kicks it straight to him. We're up by five, and he kicks it straight to that cat. And Jordan Babineau returns at 102 yards. Fourth quarter. We go up. We're up by six. We kick off. He kicks straight to Jordan Babineau again. 103 yards Oof. to the house. 205 yards returning on kickoffs. Two kicks. Two kicks, two touchdowns. In that game, we lose. We finish 9-2. and mm. We'll finish fifth in the region. Top four go. We sit at home at 9-2. and two. So you talk about don't get noticed. That was 23 years ago, and I still remember it. And I know guys that are probably that were on that team that listen to this, they remember that because you understand the assignment of what you have to do. Going back to our last podcast of understanding responsibility, when a coach tells you to do something, you, you got to do it. So for me, I had to sacrifice an average. Yeah. But also foreshadowed that I wasn't very good at directional punting. Right. Well, uh, directions, right? Directions or directional punting yeah. or avoid your responsibility. How well does the next guy up understand it? Because if you do it and even if you can't execute, next person in, whose responsibility is that to educate, to make sure yeah. that they know the scouting report too? I mean, there's a lot of leadership things to digest in that 
in that story. And I know it's a painful moment for you uh, and your team, but I think it's very valuable and it's clearly shaped the last 23 years of your life, continues to shape who you are as a person and, mm -hmm. and what you believe in as a coach and what you stand for and, and things like that. And I guess this is the point, right? So when I gave my presentation and I asked the people in the room to do that, to write their hopes and dreams down, seal it in an envelope, we're going to seal it in an envelope, one, because there's accountability, right? It's, gonna, it, it's not for other eyes, it's for you. And it's that mirror test. You know what you're going to write about. It's, it's a conversation with you and you. And uh, ultimately, it's your responsibility then, right, to act on it and to do it. And I, this is where it comes from. At the end of my presentation, an hour and a half later-ish, you're talking about responsibility, talking about all these other things that you're going to hear in the next few, few days or in the next few episodes coming on this podcast. Uh, while we enjoy our time here at the beach. At the very end, I asked them to go back to that envelope. And I asked them to look at it, hold it up, like feel it, touch it, all those things. And, and I did this too. I, I signed mine and I put it in there and I'm looking at mine the same way other people are looking at theirs. And I said to, to the people in the audience, I don't want to get to the end of my life and get all the way up to wherever we go next, right? Like that's one of the hard things about being human. None of us know how or when we're going to die and we don't know what's next. I, you have whatever faith or belief you have and uh, that is certainly your right uh, and your responsibility. However, none of us really know. And so uh, this particular group I was speaking to was religious, so it was really easy to, to sit there and talk about God. Uh, if you believe in God, great. If you don't, that's okay. That's your responsibility again. But I don't want to get all the way up and meet God for the first time, right? Get through the gates of heaven. That's what I believe. Past St. Peter, who takes me to God, who then sits down with me and hands me my envelope and says, this is the person that I intended you to be. Yes, that was a pause. Because that's the mic drop. Because a lot of times in our life, we go through it having plans, having hopes, having dreams, and none of it ever happens because we don't make it happen. We don't go after those dreams. And I know the people that are listening to this podcast right now are like, jaws open, right? Like, oh well, holy cow. There's a setup moment, right? Yeah. Like that's my job as yeah. a presenter is to set people up and, yeah. then, and watch it. But I think it's a powerful thought. Like it what is. would you do if you could do anything, and then why aren't you doing it now? Talk about walk away from responsibility. What responsibility do you have to yourself? What responsibility do you have to your younger self, to your older self? Because I can't go back. I can't turn the clock back 23 years. You know, there's a great movie. It's not really a great movie, but it's from 1985, and it's Robin Williams. And uh, same thing, football. He's a football player, misses a big play in a big game. It's called The Best of Times. And then he spends the next several years of his life beating himself up on something he can't change. But the great part is, is that we're plastic, right? Like the plasticity of being human, mm -hmm. the plasticity of changing, the responsibility to grow every year, every decade moving forward. And so it's like, we can't go, we can't turn the clock back 23 years to your game and you don't get another shot again. And I'm sorry, I wish you could say that 2005 and, it's, and I'm a Falcon scout and I'm here to scout you and let's go punt the hell out of the ball. But that is not my responsibility. And, uh, but the good news is, your dream's not dead. You still have a responsibility to yourself to go out and live however you can in the moment moving forward. Yeah, 
And I think that's what shaped me a little bit. So when I'm thinking through this and going in by time machine, is is what you said. It's, it's why I coach the way I do. It's why I lead the way I do. It's and not to brag on myself. I'm not doing that. I mean, I can still punt it pretty good. So punting is still natural. So maybe I will try that. I'll be like the oldest punter to ever come back. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. No. Playing days are, are done. Directional nope. is over. <laughs> but this is what's great about high school athletes, and I'll, I'll inject. I used to coach high school golf, okay? I, for, for 10 years or so, I coached high school golf, and I'm an average golfer at best. Like, I, I don't know. I teeter on, not scratch. Like, I'm probably a bogey golfer if I sat down and actually did my handicap. And every year I'm playing fewer and fewer rounds, so I'm getting worse and worse. My six-year-old's getting better and better, and I'm getting worse and worse. You know, it's hard to lose several yards off your drive every year as you get older, and my hips don't move real well, my knees. Like, I'm an old rust bucket in some ways. But I remember one time our boys' team was really bad. I mean, really bad. Uh, I, our best golfer once took a 20 on a hole, on a single hole, because there is no, like, mercy rule in high school golf in Iowa. You get the score you get. I think he lost six balls on one hole, took a 20. When your average is 40, take a 20 on one hole is going to really destroy it. Um, but I remember playing with that group of boys, and they're like, Coach Tori, just come on out and just play with us. Let's just play nine holes. Let's see how you do and I went 10 cup on him. I took my seven iron. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just do my seven iron. Like, that's what I'll do. A seven iron, a putter, and let's just go. And I beat him. And they all looked at me and they go, you're really good. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm really very average and you're just kind of that bad. <laughs> but it's that moment, right, of that, holy cow, you can do this. Oh, you, like, there is something impressive. Like, uh, Toby Keith has a great song where he's like, I'm not as good as I once was, but I, I can be good one time or I'm as good yeah. once yeah. as I ever was. Yeah. And uh, that's the same thing. Like, you don't need to punt the ball, right? MRA doesn't get any better with you punting. You're not going to be in the lineup on Friday night. No. But, boy, when you're mad at your special teams or when you're mad at your punt team or when you just feel like there's a water break, give me that ball and let's have one more in the magic bullet here. Yeah. Like, that. that's impressive. And those high school kids, they – they're impressionable. They want to see that. They want to see you be an athlete, and uh, they want to see you live your dreams. They want to hear. It's really painful, right? Uh, because when you fall short of your goal, like think about the Falcons. Think, go back to your 05, and I can see it in your eyes right now. Uh, that's painful for you to go back to that tryout, right? Go back to that game 23 years ago. But your kids, it's fresh. It's new. They've never heard it before. You, you're vulnerable when you say that. And I don't know how much accomplishing a dream matters to kids. It's the pursuit of the dream. It's the being vulnerable with the outcome, surrendering the outcome, knowing you can't change the outcome. That's the value. And I feel like that's our responsibility to our creator, whoever that is, whatever you believe, uh, is that you have a responsibility to live an authentic life based off of the dreams, desires, goals that you have in your future. Yeah, I'm going to keep this thing going. There's something we talked about in the car. We want to get some eggs. <laughs> is the, being a leader, being a coach, and the skills that we provide, like I can go and punt a football. I can talk a good game. Like I know the, the cues to get kids motivated. I know what buttons to push. But it goes back, like they know our skill. Like they know we know our skill or we wouldn't be a, a high-level coach. But it goes back to what I told you is like, what's your heart saying about it? And where does your heart in that? 
So, you know, I go back and, and I thought about this when you said being vulnerable. I think a lot of times coaches don't want to be vulnerable at all because they, they have this facade of like, we have it all together. Uh, I was a starting quarterback. I threw for 3,000 yards. I had 18 touchdowns. And the kids are like, I don't care. Right? But then there's that vulnerability piece of like, hey, I tried this and it didn't go like I wanted. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because knowing that a kid, or kids knowing that like, hey, he really cares about me. And I put this in a tweet, I think three days ago or something. And uh, I'm leaning over, touch one of our kids on the helmet. Uh, and it was like back in 2016, a long time ago. And uh, I was just praying over him and telling him like, hey, whatever happens tonight, don't worry about it. Like he was just struggling through some things. Uh, and I, I just remembered, and then his mom took that picture. But it's just sharing vulnerability with them of like, hey, I have failed. Because I think that's one of the biggest factors in kids today is they are so afraid to fail, not by what they think. It's by what their peers think mm-hmm. and what their parents think. So going back to that and sharing life stories with them lets them in to know that, hey, coach isn't perfect. Because I think kids think that we have this whole life thing figured out. no. We've just been where you are, and we've failed, and we can help you with that. So if you're a coach and you're listening to this, be willing to be vulnerable with your team. Be willing to share those hard stories that, you know, that, hey, I got cut because I couldn't directionally punt a football. And that's okay. Could I sky the piss out of it? Absolutely. But they didn't want that that day. They just want something to follow directions. And directionally kick the ball, but I didn't. But it's okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. Well, and I'll go back to this. In in the crowd that day that I gave my presentation to two hundred plus people, um, there was a woman who was easily in her eighties, right? Not our target audience, right? But uh, still, pen and paper there, trying to get better, like looking for ways, applicable things, leadership lessons, those kind of things. And. There's a saying that we have in wrestling, and, and I put it on our wall. So it's painted on our wall so kids can see it every day when we do practice. And wrestling is one of the sports where it doesn't matter what the score is. If there's still time on the clock, there's still time to win. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that old lady, right? And I don't know what her goal is. I don't know what her dreams and ambitions are. I don't know how health-wise how, how long she's going to be here. I can't tell you any of those things. But I can tell you, looking at that envelope, there's still time to win. Yeah. The more you say that, and I'm picturing, because my, my grandmother was 80 when she passed away, but how many times we play it safe? For what? Why are we playing it safe? And were, were you created to play it safe? Yeah, and we, I don't think we were created. And that's, look, I don't know who's gonna listen to this thing, but that's, that's why I'm asking myself, is MRA the, the only place I'm supposed to be from here on out? I don't know that. You know, if God has that in store, go ahead. But there are doors opening and all that stuff. And it's, it's our job to listen. And if people ask us if we want to entertain this job or do this or that, I think you do yourself a disservice when you close doors that are trying to be opened. And when you close them off, are you saying no to yourself? Are you saying no because I'm comfortable 
I don't want this rockiness. I don't want to be challenged. I'm good where I am. I mean, I've been in MRA for 13 years. And some of the people listening to this have probably been in their job for 20 years. Yeah. So it's great perspective. And that, that only comes when you're in your 40s and you're old and you're fat and you look back on your glory days, right? And you talk with your buddies and then you, you got that lightning in a bottle, that moment of greatness around young guys. and They're, yeah. they're wild. You only get that there. As you're talking, I'm, I think one of my favorite movies is Feel the Dreams. And I think about Moonlight Graham. And I think about when he has to make the choice of does he cross the line and leave the field because he never got a shot and save the little girl from choking, or does he stay there and play ball and live out his dream? And, you know, he talks about earlier in the movie where they're walking in Chisholm, Minnesota, you know, and he runs into Kevin Costner and he goes, you know, I never got to bat. That's the one thing. I played one day. I thought there'd be other days. There weren't. How many of us think there's going to be other days? And are there? So this, this moonlight that we have, as we're looking over the ocean, uh, I just I keep thinking that that same thought you just said. Like, how many times do we play it safe? How many times do we just we just trust instinct? Hey, this is my dream. This is my goal. But I'm going after this. And if I go get it, that is awesome. If I fail. Lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Pick your feet back up and go again because I, I could have easily done what two of my buddies did. One went with the Lions, another one went with the, the Patriots, and then with the Rams, and then I mean it was a, a whole deal of chasing the dream. And if I'm gonna be totally transparent, sometimes I'll look back and like, what if I gave another chance when I was 26, 27, 28? Could I have done it? So that's, that's regret I have to live with. I gave it one shot and... You thought there'd be other days. Yeah, I thought there'd be other days. And there weren't. Nope. And, uh, you know, I had to make a choice similarly, like with the, with the 49ers. Like I had an option to go back for another year and I, I chose to stay and just be a teacher and a coach. And, and I say just because everyone always says, well, Coach Torrey, how come you're not still in the NFL? And how come you're not... And the answer is my impact, God didn't want me there. I didn't need to be there. There's... Ten me's ready to take my job there, right? Ten other people that that want, probably 10,000, that are ready to take that job and do that job. There's only one job that I was intended to do, and that at that moment it was teach, coach, impact, inspire, all those other things. And I like to think that I've done that every day over the last 17 years, 16 years, of the year 17 coming up. And um, I don't know, it's just a, it's a hard thing to grapple with, but it's important. I think we just got really real on this podcast of diving a little deeper. Um, I mean, if you're still hanging on and listening, good for you. Because I think as we're talking, you're doing a little soul searching yourself and wondering, like, what, what can I do? What can I still do that I'm holding on, that I'm playing it safe, where I can, hey, I'm going to change the trajectory right now. Right. I'm going to go do something different. It's going to live out because I don't know if I'm promised tomorrow. I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if my NFL moment was not for long, and it was not for long. It was a day. It was a day. Uh, I should have maybe turned into two years. But keep trying. So uh, that's enough of us. I want you to reflect. As you're still listening, I want you to reflect on what are some things that 
you can write down in that envelope? Or what did you write down in that envelope? Seal it, hold it, go back to it. No one has to know what's in there. It's in your heart. You know what's in there, but put it somewhere where it's gonna remind you and then live your life, right? Because every big change starts with small action. So one, one thought on an index card, sealed in an envelope, is going to change or could change your entire life.